0: How can you come up with the unexpected? You don't know what's coming up, so you need a workforce that is able to adapt itself. While actually, your organization is made to become the best at the specific process and always the same process.
1: Welcome back to part two of this conversation together with Tim, Timothy Barte, Managing Director of Z Digital Agency. A fascinating conversation, you will agree with me as the topic of the workforce, the composition of the workforce, building those capabilities, and how do you make sure you have a blended workforce so that ultimately you can keep abreast and keep looking at things with a very dissociated eye because that's the only eye that can provide a little bit of perspective without falling into the politics and into many other dynamics that you tend to find in organizations, so join me in the second part together with Tim as we will explore this universe, this ecosystem of different type of workforces that you can put in place and that he has actually had experience with. So let's tune in.
0: So our value added is to build best team for a specific phase of the project. That's why most of our clients they see different people coming over uh, in the team um, later on um, in the project. The second thing is indeed the training. How can you debrief among the team? So it has to be able, one, to challenge each other. So for that, you have to have a hierarchy that is uh, um, kind of flat enough, so it has to avoid judgments or politics or show off. The second thing is to train actually about not only the project itself, what can be applied to other projects in other branches, other industries. Um, And then what can you bring back as a a person to your other projects? Meaning in a large corporation, and I've seen some corporations doing this, you build project-based team across many departments, not siloed. You give them a budget and a goal. You let them do their things. Then they debrief with other teams they are part of. And then you move to the next project to be able to move to the next project, you need to be able to, one, measure what you did. Second, debrief what you did. And third, train the others and the next generation. And by training, you actually learn. I think it's the best way. I think it's uh, Richard Feynman that was saying this. uh, But uh, the only way to learn about something is to actually teach others.
1: Very true. Very true. That always puts people to the test. To what extent do you really know your stuff is how well you can communicate it, by the way, in a simple way, in an understandable way. Uh, and, and usually that's where you see the gap.
0: Agreed. And and no PowerPoints. You don't <laughs> need PowerPoints to do training. <laughs>
1: I think I'm just going to have a podcast with you on how to be successful without PowerPoints. <laughs> because, because death by PowerPoints has not gone away. <laughs> it's really it's it, it actually has become a skill and an art <laughs> in and of itself. Um, and and by the way, for my programs, I'm using PowerPoints, as you well know. I mean, in some things, you do need the PowerPoint to convey messages. I mean, you still do need layouts and visuals
0: <laughs> absolutely to summarize uh, your points. but so, um, yeah, but not spending half of your time trying to make something nice is extremely important uh, because it tells a lot about what matters in the organization
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and and i'm curious uh because you were saying this is still possible in big corporations and organizations um, and maybe we can pivot a little bit to to that on how you see this new you know paradigm and workforce paradigm um so maybe not immediately, because there may be the backlash, as you were saying. Um, but how would you see that being implementable uh, in in bigger in bigger corporations? Um, that we go by default mode. The default mode is you have a hierarchy, mostly driven by SAP systems as well, call centers. Uh, there are financials as well linked to people, resources and FTEs and reporting. So I'm really, you know, curious to get your visionary view uh, on that.
0: Well, this is all a top-to-bottom approach. Uh, at the end, the, the, to have an overview of a company, the... The executive committee is basically looking at figures, right? So, if you want figures, you need FTEs, you need cost centers, you need to silo your operation to know what's working, what's not. It's been working pretty well until the '80s. Yeah. Um, now we have a tendency to say it's not working. We are not numbers, and blah, blah, blah. but at the same time, technology has as came in, and that's I think it's 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 a very interesting topic because mm-hmm. it's because technology has come that this way of seeing uh, and overviewing a company is not working anymore. So my idea is that a company is basically about processing to do it better, faster, cheaper, and then moving to the next project. The next project would be um, how to grow on a specific market, how to grow a specific product, how to innovate. And for that, you need specific teams, that are actually not always the same at different phases and that are mixed. Meaning my way would be to have a flat hierarchy across the team, no managers, clear goals given by um, uh,
1: project leader. direction
0: or whatever, mm-hmm. clear budget that is not changing according to politics or whatever. And then you let them do their, their thing, meaning you have entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs in residence, freelancers, people from the company that are also providing guidelines, accesses to the tools, training to them to, to onboard um, this, this team of uh, of people from the outside. And then you have all these people working together. And the idea is not to get promotion for the, the ones that are already in the company or to get hired by the freelancer. The idea is that you have the impact and based on the impact, you debrief, you move, you create a new project. It's the vision of the company. Mm-hmm. It's the it's the idea that uh, you're going to have an impact that is driving you on a daily basis. And I think I can take my workforce, my team has been basically staying here for more than four years. Pretty much nobody has left. I think I have two people that have left for, for corporate jobs because they wanted a little bit more security and a little bit more... Um, not so fast paced environments, but all in all, they stayed for the vision. They stayed for the impact. They stayed because of the, the flexibility. So it's not only about the salary. It's not only about the title and on the long term for a company. It's about what you can create. Uh, and I think they have a tendency to forget about that and to only promote people based on how long you've been working in the company or how much effort you put into your project. No. Measurable goals, next projects, interesting things, you move on. Um, and this is a not siloed approach. It's an impact-based approach. And it's a mixed team approach, which is new for a lot of companies. Yeah. Because the model right now is either you do everything internally with the R key. Or you have an agency that is taking over the entire chunk of work. And this agency is most of the time the same team across many industries, many projects. So they are not the best team, definitely. And it's very hard to re-internalize after because you've basically given out the entire project, uh, which is not the way we want to work. And the third part is only freelancers that are coming in, coming out, I can take the UN, for instance, in Geneva is very well known for having this. Then they don't count as FTEs, um, but they are never taken seriously, and we are never never opening doors the same way that you would have in a non-hierarchical mixed right. team.
1: Right, and and I think this is this is something we need to work on uh, because. <laughs> um, so I've been on many sides of the employment spectrum, um, as an HR professional, I want to experience different sides of the employment spectrum. What that means is internal as an employee, external as a freelance, and even I did some contracting work, and now I'm doing a project and interim assignment. What I really found, uh, you know, disconcerting, probably the word <clears throat> is how we still have a tendency of judging people's capabilities and talents based on their employment status, based on their title, based on show me your pedigree. And I'm the same person. I actually have more experience now, more diversified experience. However, if I'm in the market as a freelance or as a contractor, there is an automatic assumption that uh, Okay, I may be an SME and therefore I can provide a specific area of expertise, but that, you know, not worth to integrate that much or assimilate within um, the bigger project. So it's always a little bit this us, them. And in, in my vision of the new worlds of work is how do you develop less exclusive corporate cultures that are based on this concept you're either in or you're out? Uh, and and to have more inclusive and there means more diversified mixed to use your word, workforces without this prejudice that oh yeah if you're out in the market it means you're not good because if if you were good you would have a job. so there's a lot of stuff there are a lot of uh, heritage that we we' are, we're uh, going up against um, that in, in my view needs to change for this model to actually be able to be successful and for people themselves to want to be part of this type of of ways of working.
0: Yeah. About the us and and they, I think um, CEOs, especially of large corporations, um, don't realize that careers are shorter and shorter. So the us is basically changing uh, very rapidly. Most of the people that I know stay around two to three years maximum. In a corporation, so this us and they change very regularly, and you have some contractors that are staying even home. The second thing is that um, if you have a clear vision of what you want for your company, mm-hmm. then that's what matters. That's what matters. The 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 the, the us and the they, the the, um, the tools that you are using, they don't matter. What matters is the result, the impact, the road that you're that you're taking. Um, this is not always very clear. This is not something that is most of the time companies have missions and visions, but this is a lot of uh, keywords uh, mm-hmm. and not much uh, something that is impactful for them. can maybe come back to this uh, also later. Um, but if you are open to new tools, you need new people. If you want to train others, you need um, external um, eyes about um, the aspect if you want to challenge your current processes which normally managers are supposed to do on a constant basis you need people that are not linked to these processes that are not here to defend them so the us and they is actually a mix a constant mix it's a dance regular dance that you should do with within your team and i'm not a big fan of corporations like uh, like uh, like consultants uh, like mm-hmm. McKinsey and, and, and others, because they come with an authority, they tell you what to do, and then you're supposed to apply it. And it's always the top to bottom approach. What I like is when the team is actually integrated within the workforce, not only at the top at the executive committee. And they help within the vision statements and the implementation, which is most of the time a problem as well. Within, they have nice ideas, but they never come up with proper implementation. To do a proper implementation, you need to avoid shortcuts. And this is also a key failure in teams because for political reasons, most of the time, people tend to do shortcuts and say, okay, we have to reach this uh, kind of measurable goal as soon as possible. So let's do and let's take shortcuts. Well, actually in the digital world, which has become so competitive over the past years, you cannot take shortcuts anymore. You need to have a proper process that goes through different steps like uh, proper SEO, proper branding, proper content, proper way of doing things, and there are hundreds of steps that the internal team has no clue about because it's never changing, ever more complex game. That's why you need this mixed team that can say, hey, 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 if we really want to achieve this goal, let's pause, let's do all these steps, and here we have a process, For the next team to replicate as well so without this challenge you have natural tendency to take shortcuts yeah
1: and shortcuts and i would say to replicate what you already know
0: absolutely absolutely because as soon as you're taking risk you may see you may be seen uh, differently by your bio management Well, actually somebody that is from the outside and that is not meant to stay which is very different there's a difference between a contractor and, and a freelancer then he has this freedom of speech to say, hey, there is a problem. Let's pause and let's analyze this.
1: Mm-hmm. So it's interesting you say that's the difference between a contractor and a freelancer. What, what is your definition of that difference between a contract? So yeah, I'd be curious to hear your, your how, how do you bucket these figures differently? And you also mentioned entrepreneur in residence, if you don't mind. I'd, I'd really like to get your, Terminology is important, isn't it? Uh, and and get your definitions of entrepreneur and residence. It reminds me a bit of artists and residents, so I'm curious to to hear how that's applied in the business world. Contractor versus freelance. How do you, how, how do you see? Because it seems like we're categorizing. We still categorize, don't we? <laughs> even yeah, in the future. A,
0: a little bit, but it, it's getting the, the the line between them becomes more and more blurry, I'd say. Contractors, most of the time they are they are integrated within a team for a specific amount of time. Um, they tend to not make too many waves because if everything goes well, they can be reintegrated within the workforce. It's most of the time uh, a way for executive committees to avoid too many FTEs and to be able to fire workforce a little bit faster if necessary. So let's call it pure flexibility, uh from the from the system sometimes it's because they have a very specific technical area that they are experts in and they come for a specific time for freelancers it's a little bit different it's people who have decided to have a career on their own across multiple industries and multiple projects most of the time at the same time so they are not they don't need you normally to survive because there are also other projects, uh, if it's a real freelancer, um, And they are here because they believe in something. Uh, and most of the time, it's not about politics and it's not about promotion. Uh, it's not about staying forever. Otherwise, they get bored. Um, so. The freedom of speech that comes with it, I think, I do believe it's very important. It depends on your character, it depends on your experience and so on, but um, it's a, it's a mindset that I've seen across freelancers. And then the last term is entrepreneur-in-residence. So we tend to see it for, I've been entrepreneur-in-residence, for instance, uh, we tend to see it for people who have been pretty successful with companies um, and decided to help another project and they come most of the time with quite a background, so they are taken pretty seriously, and they are here to help scale a project, for instance, uh, within a corporation. The problem uh, that comes up is that they had freedom, they had success, they had their own business or whatever, and boom, they enter uh, some kind of hierarchy, management, Mm -hmm. politics, and they have a tendency not to stay very long, um, because you can be an entrepreneur, but if you're blocked, on many levels, uh, then you cannot really be an entrepreneur. So it's a very, I would say, buzzy term that a lot of companies are using to say, hey, we are innovating. We just hired this entrepreneur in residence, so it doesn't count as an FTE. Uh, he has a great background. It's a nice figure. He's uh, in the media. Um, let's innovate together. But it's not a mixed team. It's You don't have measurable goals most of the time. Um, and he's just here to boost the energy of the of the of the team. That is sometimes sucking the energy out of him. No, that's very true.
1: <laughs> Instead of having energized teams, you kind of have like yeah uh, amoebas, <laughs> and which is a sad thing because I do think as humans uh, we we do strive for um, for a little bit of excitement in our lives, and we do. Uh, Thrive on energy. I mean, I've never really heard of anybody saying, Oh, wow, this is so exciting, because it's so boring. Uh, I don't think I've ever heard that. But, (laughs) and even for those who may settle for less, or who may settle for comfort. And may have to settle. And in some cases, people may have to settle for security. And uh, you know, when you go by pay, paycheck by different paycheck, different phases
0: life. of life, different wishes. It's very important as well I to respect like that. that. Yes. And the problem yeah. is that the carriers they are linear for most of the companies. You need to work nine to five, you need to give a hundred percent all the time, but your mindset is not always the same, your personal life is not always the same, yeah. your level of education is not always the same, and most important, the world is changing at a very, very fast pace. How can you come up with the unexpected? You don't know what's coming up, so you need a workforce that is able to adapt itself. While actually your organization is made to become the best at a specific process yeah. and always the same process. Yeah. So that's always this mix um, as a CEO of a company that you have to come up with, and that's what I find it uh, absolutely fascinating. And that's why, because of this mixed needs, you need a mixed team. course,
1: yes. So what advice would you give to these different uh, segments as well? So, so first, it, it kind of sounds like it depends where you are in your life stage. Uh, and so what advice would you give to either folks who are just entering the, the workforce now um, to, to the ones who have been in a certain traditional way of seeing work? um and to leaders who actually in, in in my view as much as you you say about zero hierarchy but for example in your case you are a leader you may not you may not apply hierarchy but i do believe leadership is fundamental in bringing about these changes so it's not like abdicating from a, the importance of leadership and everybody's kind of like singing kumbaya together but it is also a, a role modeling and showing the way towards the future, assuming that we're correct in our assumptions, which I do think we are, by the way. <laughs> but, uh, so, so what kind of advice would, you know, these are very different segments. I do, I do um, recognize that, but yeah. Let,
0: let, let me take them one by one. Um, from a leadership point of view, I'm a strong advocate of leadership. So I do believe that you need leadership in any group, personal or or professional. You cannot live without leadership, otherwise it goes south completely. But leadership doesn't mean manager, doesn't mean that somebody's entitled with this. Um, Different phases of a project, different leaders, different uh, needs and specification, different leaders, Um, different phases of your life, different moments to lead, actually. Uh, It's also interesting, people are, especially managers and managers that are becoming top managers, they have very low tendency to give up power, which actually you should be able to give up power because at different phases of your life, you're not the same, you don't want the same things. um, And the team that goes with it is also different. Anyway, so that that would be my advice, but always have a leader Mm -hmm. for every single team. And don't hesitate to change uh, the leadership from time to time. For people entering the workforce, actually, the youngs, uh, I would recommend to do your own experience before you start any freelancing. A lot of people that I see are willing to actually launch themselves straight as entrepreneurs, straight as freelancer, um, because they want to be free, because they want to um, experience many things at once. I... Disagree to that. You need to know how it works internally before you start being able to challenge it. So being a part of a large corporation, at least for two years, you'll see a lot. Being part of a startup, you'll see what is a high growth environment and how much um, it requires um, from people. Um, Be part of an association and so on. So my idea is like take four or five years to actually make your own uh, experience. And aside, Build your own projects, because the best way to learn is to have your own projects with your own goals, with your own expectations and learn digital stuff, uh, non-so digital stuff on your own by having side projects. I think side projects are key and you don't need to have multiple um, clients from day one as as a newcomer on on the workforce to be able to learn. You need side projects and your own experience within a corporation. So that would be my advice. And for those who are a little bit more advanced in their career, I would have the same advice. Have side projects, because the side projects are going to teach you how to work with others, how to um, share information, how to learn about new new things. And most probably, without even knowing it, you will reintegrate it within your career. It will basically shape the path of your career in the future, because you'll see, oh, this I like, this I don't like, this I want to do. Um, And most of the time, I've seen people changing radically career because of their side projects previously.
1: Hmm. You know, it's um, about the new entrants and the the ones just going into the the workplace, let's say in the workforce. I fully agree with you on that because I see too many young people uh, following a dream, uh, which is great, you know, because then when you get older, you forget to pursue that dream. But let's say, <laughs> so keep the dream. But you do need to build that engine before you can t- fly um, to 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 these different you know uh, destinations. And I am um, as much as we talk negatively in a way, or we talk critically uh, towards corporations. I do find extreme value in many of them because they teach you discipline. They they do have budgets to develop you. They teach you life in a great way because the politics you may see, which you only end up seeing after a certain time, by the way, you don't see it right away. Um, but a corporation is nothing more, nothing less than a sample of society and how people work together. So the more you, you kind of have that experience, I, I really think it's just going to be a huge advantage to all the young folks and then pursue your dreams. And then you're going to say, then decide what, what works for you, depending on where you are in your life stage.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Careers are less and less linear. Um, and so should you do as well. Meaning that if you want to become a freelancer day one, it's not possible because you cannot foresee yourself for 20 years like this. It's impossible if you haven't experienced it. So it's much better to have this, corpora- this corporate uh, uh, experience to handle what's politics because it's indeed very much a sample of society. Uh, and to create yourself the experiences and the background that will enables you um, having freedom of speech. Yeah. This freedom of speech that we can have later as a freelancer, as a contractor, as a as a mixed team member um, can only comes from your own experience. If you have never experienced what they experience, what can you say?
1: Very true. And freedom of speech also means feeling confident with the voice that you have to speak. And, exactly. that
0: takes, <laughs> and if you're, if you're feeling super confident at 24, uh, you are, old, I would say,
1: Ah, bien ça. I like that. This is a good way of kind of uh, closing and, and starting to end this, uh, this episode, which by the way, it's, it has been a fantastic um, conversation. Um, so, so to close that with all the wow speakers, of course, the question is, my dear Tim, what is wowing you at the moment and that you would like to share?
0: Well, there is a topic that is uh, very controversial that is wowing me at the moment. It's what we call degrowth, so decroissance in French. Mm-hmm. And it's an extremely interesting topic because if we think about the world of work, we think about growth. And we are living in a world with uh, finite resources. So what do you do? Either the vision of the, the, the corporation or the association is not long term enough. Or you have magic thoughts and you think that tech, for instance, will fix it. So, how do you handle growth that is becoming the goal for everybody with actually finite resources? So, meaning the end, the only possibility, the only possibility is degrowth. And what does it mean for the workforce when the company is not growing in sales, in footprint, or whatever, but it's actually bringing more margins, doing um, bringing better life uh, for just all the stakeholders, not only the workforce. All these topics are extremely interesting because we're going to come up, we're going to come into a world which is the main, where it is the main topic, where it is the main challenge. You cannot keep on growing the same way you were before. What does it mean for the workforce? Where, does it, where do you go if this was the only goal for the corporation before?
1: And uh, that's going to be the sequel to our next episode because I think we will definitely have that uh, topic on. It's an, question. it's
0: an abyssal question.
1: Absolutely, it is an abyssal question, isn't it? But we have reached the end of this episode together with Tim. I do want to thank him once again for his time, for his insights, for having shared his own experience about these new workforce paradigms and some things to consider as we are moving forward to, why not, a concept of degrowth versus growth. With no further ado, I do wish you a fantastic continuation of whatever it is that you're doing at the moment. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel and to other episodes of The World of Work coming up soon. As always, take good care. Bye-bye.